If you would, just for a moment, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. I want to read just a couple of verses here. Actually, the first ten verses, I'll read them rather quickly. But Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. It says, After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and, on his, and his robe was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken from the fear of him that they became like dead men. But the angel told the women, Don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for He has been resurrected, just as He said. Come and see the place where He lay. Then go quickly and tell His disciples, He has been raised from the dead. In fact, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see Him there. Listen, I have told you. So departing quickly from the tomb with a fear and great joy, they ran to tell His disciples the news. Just then Jesus met them and said, Good morning! They came up took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. What sets this man, Jesus, apart from any other man? The answer is this. Jesus was no ordinary man. It's amazing that he was actually crucified and dead. Over this uh, past weekend, we were able to take a few moments on the last couple of nights, and go through the Easter egg story that children often go through. And one of the things that were inside one of those eggs was a replica of a little spear. And as we were talking about the different articles that were in these eggs, and we talked about the spear, and I said, what do you think this spear represents? And little uh, Clayton Jack, he says, uh, that was the spear that they shoved in the side of Jesus. It's amazing that as they went through and looked at all the articles that were involved with the story, one thing that sets it apart is that the spear was there to make sure that Jesus was actually dead. And as they thrust it in his side, the Bible tells us that fluids came out, ensuring the fact that he was gone. Three days in the tomb. No doubt he was not unconscious. No doubt he wasn't just you know, under the weather. He was dead. But what sets him apart was that he was not ordinary. What sets him apart is that he was God in the flesh. He was God incarnate. And three days later, he arose. God came down from heaven in the form of man, and he was perfect. Tempted in every way, like you and I, yet without sin, according to Hebrews chapter 4. But there's another verse in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, that says this. It says, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold. See, we are all, apart from Christ, we were nothing. We were vain. We were living for the things that this world had to offer. But here's what he says, what sets us apart now, verse 18, says, or verse 19 says, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. Jesus Christ was the perfect lamb. He was without spot. He was without blemish. He was perfect in every way. And then in 1 John chapter 2, and verse 2, it says this. 
He Himself is a propitiation for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for those of the whole world. Past, present, future. He paid the price for our sins. So you're wondering, what does all this have to do with Easter? Well, I'm glad you asked. We all know for the familiar verses, John 3, verse 16 and 17 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. That's the story. That's the Gospel. That Jesus Christ would come down to this earth, that He would live a life, be tempted in every way like us, yet without sin, and be able to be that propitiation, that perfect Lamb, without spot, without blemish, be died on a cross, and then go into the tomb three days and come out victorious. That's the Gospel. We're all aware of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. But what sets us apart as Christians is that we serve a risen Savior. No other religion can make that claim. You understand that? Most denominations and religions are founded upon a person of human origin of some sort. Every religion under the sun bases their thinking, their philosophy, their religious belief in a person who died an ordinary death and never rose again. Jesus Christ is the only God who has not only died, but rose up victoriously from the grave to live eternally. I'm reminded of a passage found in um, Psalm chapter 115. I love this passage. And we talked about this as we were looking at the Easter story the other night. Psalm 115, verse 1 says, Not to us, Yahweh, not to us, but to your name give glory. Because of your faithful love, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, Where is their God? Our God is in heaven and does whatever he pleases. Why? Because he's God. He doesn't need permission, he doesn't have to ask how. He is God, he does what he pleases. But here's the thing, and here's what sets them apart. Verse 4. Their idols, talking about the idols of the world, idols of the people, their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. This is what I love. Verse 5. They have mouths, but cannot speak. Eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear. Noses, but cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel. Feet, but cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throats. And those who make them are just like them, as are all who trust in them. What an awesome passage to know that we don't serve a man-made idol. We serve a risen Savior. He's alive. And why did Jesus do this? That the world might be saved through Him. We celebrate Easter because three days after the crucifixion, Jesus Christ conquered death and the grave. And we have hope because of that. The world searches for hope. Just listen to the news. I, I, I'm telling you, I wake up every morning to 70 to 80 emails. Most of it's junk. I just hit that click, delete, 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 delete. I, I, I don't even like it. But half of them that come through are these political junk. ISIS did this, and ISIS did that, and ISIS did this, and Al-Qaeda did that, and blah, 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 blah. I don't even want to read them anymore. I don't even want to watch the news anymore. 
I don't care how conservative or liberal the news. I don't even want it anymore. I'm tired of hearing the negative. If all I do is listen to what's going on in the headlines, we have no hope and no future. If I sit and think about it, I get discouraged about my kids' future. If I sit and think about it, I drive myself nuts wondering what we can do to change a world. But politics will never save you. Good morals will never save you. Doing good stuff will never save you. These things of this world will never save you. But having a relationship with Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, will. Jesus Christ conquered death in the grave, and because of it, we now can have hope. And the gospel message, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, the fact that Jesus Christ died, He was buried, He rose again from the grave, and now He lives forever. So, well, if that's the Easter story, what does that mean for you and me? This is what it means. We can have hope through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The fact that He's not in the grave. He's no ordinary man who, was, who lived and died and was forgotten. He'll forever live within us if we know Him as our Savior. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 says, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you? Which you have a God which you are not your own? For you are what? Bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. And we can live forever in heaven with a Savior by trusting in His finished work on the cross. I trust most of you, as you came in this morning, you got a bulletin. Can I just draw your attention to it just for a moment? Salvation. What is all the hoopla about Easter? It's the gospel. It's the fact that we can have a relationship through salvation in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? I wish I could stand up here this morning and say, everyone who's in this building this morning is automatically going to go to heaven. I wish I could stand up here and say, everybody who's driving on the road out there is automatically one day going to go to heaven. I wish I could say that every one of my relatives and friends and neighbors and co-workers who I've ever spent time with and have passed on and have died, I wish I could stand up here this morning and say they're all in heaven. But I would be lying if I did that this morning. Because God's Word makes it clear. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. The truth of the matter is this. Not everyone will die and go to heaven. Only those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? How can I know that I'm saved? How can I know that I have this relationship? It's so simple. Jesus Christ made it so simple that a child could understand it. We say often one of the very first things that we teach our kids are the ABCs. I remember sitting and singing it with our little kids as they were two, three, four years old and learning their ABCs by singing the simple song. But ABC is A, admit that you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned fall short of the glory of God. There's not a one of us in this room, if we're honest with ourselves, would be able to stand up and say, I've never done anything wrong. We are all sinners. If you think that you're kind of in a different category, ask those around you. They'll be honest with you about this. But that's this first part of of the salvation message, is I need to admit that I'm a sinner. Not only that, but B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. Jesus Christ did exactly what He claimed to have done. He died on the cross, John 3.16. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrated or commended His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you believe that? It's more than a story, as I say often. I hope that God is more to us than a name on a page of a paper and a book. 
I hope that He's more to you than that. But it's more than just a story. It's more than just a historical event. Do you believe it in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross? He did exactly what He claimed to have done. And He died and rose again. And let her see is confess your sinfulness to God. Romans 10.13 there says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have I ever come to that place in my life where the Holy Spirit has worked in my heart and so convicted me of my need, of my sinfulness, and my need to have forgiveness of that sin, that I just wanted to turn everything over to Him and say, God, I repent. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. And I call on you to be my Savior. I place my faith and trust in you. Have you ever done that? That's the starting point of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as I said, it's just a starting point. You see, none of us are good enough. I say it often. Every so often I use this illustration and I'll close with it. I don't know if there's such thing as a multi-gazillionaire. I have no idea. I know there's millionaires and billionaires and trillionaires. Maybe. But I don't know if there's such thing as a gazillionaire. Let's just pretend that there's like, pick a number and a bazillion zeros after it. You're a multi-gazillionaire. I'm not one, but I would love to try it once. Anyone else? I would love to try that once. So money doesn't make the world go wrong, but I want to try it once. But let's just suppose for a moment that you're a multi-gazillionaire. And you are the nicest person in the face of the earth. And everybody you come in contact with, hey, I've never seen you before. Here's a million dollars. Hey, you, oh, you're my, oh, you know him? Here, here's two million, because you've got to deal with a bunch of junk. Uh, oh, you're related to him? Here's five million. <laughs> I know what you're going through. Oh you, oh, oh, you need a house? Here's four million. You're a multi-gazillionaire, right? I mean, oh, you need a hospital? Here's 75 million. Go build a hospital. And you do that all around the known world. And for every day of your life, you wake up trying to give away everything that you have. Because you're a good person. You're kind-hearted. And you have a heart of love for people, people you don't even know. And all of a sudden, you come to the end of your life and you say, Wow, I was once a multi-gazillionaire, and I gave it all away, doing all the good I could possibly do. Trying to be a blessing, trying to be an encouragement, trying to be a help. And you get to the end of your life. Man, people have great things to say about you. You are just so awesome. But can I just say this? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not by doing anything good, not by being kind, not by giving away everything you own to help those who have not. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, not anything you can do, lest any man should boast. You see, if I can earn my own salvation, Jesus Christ didn't have to die on the cross. You see, I can't do that according to God's Word. And so if I get to the end of my life, and I've given away everything I own, and I'm no longer a multi-gazillionaire because I've given it all away, and if I didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm still not one inch closer to spending eternity in heaven with my Savior. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. The truth behind Easter is the fact that Jesus Christ died, but then he rose again. 
That's the gospel. And by placing my faith and trust in him, I have a relationship with him that will span the time of the test of eternity. How does that happen? A, admit that you're a sinner. B, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross. C, confess your sins before God and call on him to be your savior. And God's word says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. That's the starting point with a relationship with Jesus Christ. And from there, it only gets gooder and gooder. It just gets better and better every day as we develop that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In just a moment, I want to pray. Can I just challenge each and every one of you here? I don't know all of you. I don't know your backgrounds. I don't know where you came from. But I know this. This contains the greatest hope that any one of us could ever want or hope for. This has the message. This has the, the answer to all of life's questions. And if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I would love nothing more than take a few minutes after the morning service and just talk to you about that. To share once again from God's Word how you can have that certain... You see, I don't have to hope. I don't have to wish. I don't have to think. First John tells me that these things have I written unto you who believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that you have eternal life. I don't have to hope I got it. I can know for certain. How? Based on the certainty of God's word. Admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I confess my sins and call on him to be my Savior. I cannot do that myself. Simply saying a prayer won't save you. Being a good person won't save you. Certainly not attending a church won't save you. And I don't care whether you're Catholic or Church of God, Church of Christ, Baptist, or anything else in between. It's not in a religion. It's in a relationship with Jesus Christ.